Hi, this is Lucina Petra from Berlin, Germany, and you're listening to Better Place Project with Steve Norris. Make the world a better place. Make the world a better place. Make the world. Hey, hey, welcome to Wisdom Wrap Up, a special edition of Better Place Project. It's hard to believe, but last week we published our 30th episode, which was really pretty cool because when we started this, we really didn't know if we'd actually put out one episode or knock out two or three and call it quits. So to make it to 30 just feels really good. When we first started, Aaron, did you think we'd make it to 30 episodes? <laughs> Honestly, no, I wasn't really sure, but that's wild. It went by so fast too. And I like this episode because it gives us a chance to look back at our previous episodes. And I think our guests just have so many insightful things to say. And just listening to it once through isn't enough. I feel like we need to revisit that and really digest it. Totally agree. But before we get to that, I want to announce another really cool thing that happened last week. Last week was a great week for the show. We hit another big milestone that we honestly didn't see coming. In just eight months, pretty much strictly through word of mouth and you listeners sharing what we're doing on social media, we've been able to climb to the top 2% of all podcasts worldwide, which is mind-blowing to us. Woohoo! Yep, yep, yep. And for that, we can't thank you listeners enough for supporting us. Thank you for everything, for the five-star ratings, wonderful reviews you've written, and just thanks for coming back each week. We appreciate it. This has been a journey that has been nothing short of spectacular. We've interviewed CNN Heroes of the Year, incredible thought leaders, best-selling authors, mental health experts, tech talk speakers, an ecologist, a marine biologist, founders and CEOs of foundations that are doing fascinating and life-changing work, guests that have taught us how to overcome obstacles and taught us the power of forgiveness. But they all have one thing in common. They are changing the world. And they've inspired us, inspired us to live better, happier, healthier lives, inspired us to try to be better than we thought we could ever be. These guests are truly making the world a better place and inspiring all of us to do the same. So today, we're doing something a little bit different, as Aaron mentioned. Since last season, we started ending each episode by asking each guest the same question. What advice do you have for us and our listeners on how we can help make the world a better place? Because some of the answers we received are so simple yet so powerful, we decided for this episode to assemble these little nuggets or little pieces of cloth, if you will, from many different canvases and stitch them onto one big quilt of guidance and inspiration that we can all wrap around us. How's that for a metaphor, Aaron? I like it. That's a great <laughs> way to put it. Yeah, so many different amazing, inspiring people that we've had on this show from all walks of life that all have different viewpoints and have just thrown all these incredible nuggets at the end of the show, well, throughout the entire show, which by the way, all these episodes are still up published live. So for those of you who haven't heard some of these guests, you can go back and, and you'll find them out on anywhere you get your podcast. So without further ado, let's start going through some of these. Aaron, why don't you get us started? All right. So... First up is Azim Kamisa. 
Azim lost his only son, Tarek, to a senseless gang-related murder in 1995. Azim chose the path of forgiveness and compassion rather than revenge and bitterness and actually went on to mentor the gang member who killed his son and forged a friendship with the grandfather of his son's murderer. And here is Asim Kamisa's advice on how we can help make the world a better place. To make this a world a better place, uh, we need to heal. We need to unite. Our country is very divided based on what we've experienced, you know. Uh, and I've lived here for 45 years now. Uh, and I never saw United States to be as divided as it is now. So one of the things we can make this world a better place is to forgive, forgive others and forgive ourselves so we can heal and unite. And not only can we heal and unite, you know, my look at my three books, the first was from murder to forgiveness is a trilogy. The second was from forgiveness to fulfillment because the work that I've done in the aftermath of my son's strategy has been very fulfilling and meaningful. And the trilogies from fulfillment to peace. So Tony wrote the foreword to fulfillment to peace. That came really? out about two years ago, three years ago. He was still in prison when he wrote the foreword. But it started very dark with murder, but it ended in peace. So, and the portal is forgiveness. So if we can have your audience uh, forgive others and forgive themselves is equally important. We will heal, we will unite, and we'll foster peace. What an incredible message on the power of forgiveness from Asim Kamisa. I just feel like the world, I mean, that would make a huge difference if each individual could forgive themselves of their past mistakes, f- forgive other people who have wronged them before, and move on to live a more fulfilled life. Amen to that. And moving along, next up is Missy Bellinger. Missy Bellinger's late husband, Tom, was diagnosed with sarcoma cancer on their second wedding anniversary, and he sadly passed away 18 months later. After making a promise to Tom and being inspired after welcoming an out-of-town cancer family into her home, Missy created the Amschwat Sarcoma Cancer Foundation, which later evolved into a Shelter for Cancer Families, ASCF. Here's Missy. Well, I think that, you know, one of my favorite quotes, and and I can't even, I I don't even know who said it, but be the light that you wish to see in the world, I think is, Mm. you know, it's like you said, it starts with one person, one idea, one thought. And Martin Luther King said, Martin Luther King Jr. said that um, the light has not overcome the darkness. Um, so I, again, in, in that light, be the light that you wish to see in the world. I think that this has been an extraordinary, difficult, extraordinarily difficult year and a half uh, for so many people, but no matter how dark it may seem and no matter how difficult the circumstances might be, we each have a light within us. And if we can just shine that light and be that light for others, I think that we can make the world a better place. Yes, be the light that you want to be. I appreciate her advice on that question because her words just really spoke to me and motivated me to want to make a difference within myself and 
And I think if we all just put forth that effort individually, then that could really impact the world overall. Well said. All right, next up is Terrence Lester. Terrence Lester is a speaker, activist, author, and thought leader in the realm of systemic poverty. He's known for nationwide campaigns that have been featured on MLK 50, CNN, Good Morning America, and more. In 2013, Terrence founded the nonprofit Love Beyond Walls and has helped hundreds of individuals experiencing homelessness and poverty to rebuild their lives. So I've been given this non-traditional answer for a while And basically, I tell people to create margin in their lives, basically to look at the context of their lives and really challenge themselves to remove the things that will have either no eternal value or help them leave any type of lasting uh, legacy or uh, impact on this world. Most times people's schedules are so busy, it's not that they don't have the willingness or the desire to want to help. They just don't have the availability, right? And so that's why you see people who may do things a couple times a year, maybe all of the holidays and service hasn't become like a a rhythm. It's only an event, Mm -hmm. right? I did this event. I went and helped for this couple times. And it's what I'm advocating for is to create the type of margin in your life where service can become a lifestyle that you reorient your, the way that you see the world to know that no matter where you are, if you're serving in an organization or if you're at work or even in the context of your own home and your community, that you have made the type of margin in your life that whenever any opportunities presents themselves, your willingness will also match your availability. And that is where you have impact. I can't tell you what cause is on your heart. I can't tell you what, uh, you know, you wake up in the morning and upsets you. The thing that makes you mad, if you use that as an acronym, is the thing that you're called to make a difference in. Make a difference. If it makes you mad, make a difference. And you can't make a difference if you don't have the margin to. Also, the other thing too is know that no matter what contribution that you contribute, it's still needed. If you were to look at the grander narrative as a puzzle on the front of the puzzle box is an image or a picture. We all want that picture to be a beautiful world. Some people have a piece to the puzzle and they, what they like to do is sit on that piece, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they don't think they compare their piece to other pieces, other pieces uh, that other people may hold and say, Oh, my piece is so small. No, your piece is important. <laughs> because connected with the, the uh, contributions of others truly makes a difference. And that is the picture and image that we all wish to see, but you can't withhold it, mm-hmm. you know? Offer your talent, offer your mm-hmm. skill set in whatever way you can, connect it with other people's gifts, talents, and abilities, and you're sure to make uh, some type of social change. Oh, that was so powerful. I love what he said, service hasn't become a rhythm. It's been an event, which I think rings true for so many of us. Serving other people has always been like a once a year kind of charity for a lot of people. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I I think it's great that so many of us strive to serve others at certain points in our lives. But what he mentioned was just to flip that perspective a little bit 
make that shift in your life and you can search for so many other ways to serve people in your regular day-to-day life. Yep. And I love the acronym he uses, what makes you mad, M-A-D, go out and M-A-D, make a difference. Make a difference. What makes you mad, make a difference. Mm. My next tattoo. Incredible. Your next one. You have a tattoo, do you, Aaron, that you haven't told me about? <laughs> no. Okay. So we'll make that my first. My first tattoo. Hey, I would I would gladly accept that tattoo. <laughs> Not that you have to get my permission. You're a grown woman. But anyway, moving right along. Next, we have Dr. Christian Heim. Dr. Christian Heim, PhD, is an award-winning psychiatrist, music professor, and Churchill Fellow. He speaks from a place of deep compassion and authority on mental health issues that are affecting us all in this new normal. Anxiety, depression, addictions, trauma, suicide, personality issues, and relationship breakdown. His latest book, The Seven Types of Love, Navigating Love in a Fractured World, has just been released. Here's Dr. Christian Heim. So my gratitude acronym uh, is THANKS, morning and night. So T-H-A-N-K-S. Uh, The T is simply to think about how precious life is. The H is to help somebody else out. A is to appreciate the people around you. Uh, Just to say, thanks for being here, brother, or thanks, mum, or, you know, just all those little things, appreciating the people, or to appreciate somebody who's done something really quite special in your life, okay? The N is to notice beauty, right? Uh, Now, we don't have to go gaga about how pretty a flower is, but it actually is. A flower is actually beautiful. Bird singing is absolutely amazing, all right? Uh, Butterflies dancing uh, is absolutely amazing, and it will bring us joy and give us feel-good brain chemicals, but only if we notice it. Mm -hmm. So the N is notice beauty. And the K is to uh, keep a journal to keep perspective. So actually making a list of things to be grateful for, because you're going to go through some difficult days when you're grumpy and you're in a room by yourself. And then if you can pick up a book that's actually written in your handwriting that says, this is what I'm grateful for. You go, oh, I do actually have some things to be grateful for. Darn it. I was so enjoying being miserable, but I guess I got to bring myself (laughs) out of this, darn it. (laughs) That's right. And And the S is simply to say thanks. Just to use the word, thanks wherever you can. Morning and night, it is a good idea when you wake up in the morning just to say thanks for another day because that was never guaranteed. And at night, just as you're going to sleep, to say thanks for the day that I've had, even if it was lousy. Again, um, you get a chance to do it again. And each day comes to us from we don't know where and uh, how we spend it. It's kind of up to us because, I look, I, I used to work with uh, people who had heart disease. They, uh, they go to sleep every night thinking, you know what, maybe I won't wake up. Mm. Okay. So they're thankful for the day that they've had. And when they wake up in the morning, they're thankful that they've got another one. Right. A lot of people live that way. Uh, mm. So to bring that to consciousness is actually very helpful to cultivate gratitude. What the evidence is actually showing, um, Steve, is that good things are good for us and bad things are bad for us, right? Mm. So so basically all those things that you know to eat a balanced diet, to sleep well, to exercise, spend time out in nature, to cut down on your smoking, your alcohol, they're all the physical things that are good for mental health. 
psychologically, uh, look, we did talk about gratitude and compassion, but particularly for younger people, meaning and purpose, to find meaning in life. And that's an individual journey for all of us. Mm -hmm. And then the amazing thing is that the brain is actually wired to learn. So if we learn, uh, we will actually get more of this, uh, this ephemeral thing called happiness. And then the social things that we need to do, it basically comes down to people, uh, spending more time with people, cultivating those relationships, which means, unfortunately, cutting down on our screen time and our busyness to spend time with people because we are social creatures. And so if we live to who we actually are, we're doing all that we can to prevent mental illness in our lives. All right. There's another tattoo for me. <laughs> another acronym. Thanks. Yes, I love that. That's probably my, my my favorite takeaway out of that is that thanks acronym. I especially love the N and I love how he says, you know, a butterfly dancing is a beautiful thing or a flower. It is beautiful, but only if you notice it. The end mm-hmm. of the thanks acronym, but, uh, but you're going to have a lot of tattoos by the end of this episode. Yeah. At this point, <laughs> it's going to be a sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right. On to Di Manuel. He is an award-winning digital thought leader and author, distinguished Toastmaster and keynote speaker, former partner and chief operating officer of a multi-million dollar retail company and a sought after lifestyle mentor and executive performance coach. So what advice do you have for us and our listeners on how we can help make the world a better place? Oh, I love this. I really do love this. Like it, it, it's, uh, you know, I, I know that there's a, it's really easy to go to the climate side of things. And, and I don't want to say it's easy, but it, it, I mean, it's one thing to say it and it's another thing to actually live it, right? Like we were living and got to know some people, especially around the zero waste movement. And that I commend those people. It's so impressive. You know, these people that are literally trying to produce zero waste Seriously. in a year. Yeah. It's like, I, I'm like, uh, yeah, no, that does not, not gonna, I, I just haven't been able to, you know, I, I, it's really challenging, but I do recognize reducing consumption is a big one. And the biggest thing that we found really helped our family unit was we became minimalists. So we, we don't have a lot of stuff. We have basics, necessities, but everything serves a function. And we've cut down on our consumption of just stuff, especially around consumerism, buying things. You know, we, we chase experiences, we invest in experiences, we invest in people, you know, in ourselves, but we're not accumulating stuff. And when we started shifting those habits, I'll just tell you, things just became lighter. We didn't feel like we had as much uh, stresses. Mm-hmm. And uh, so th- those are one of the things that I really want to encourage others, you know, like even if you just look at your own closet, look at your storage unit, do you have stuff overflowing? Why? Why do you need all that? You know, like, and, and I'm, trust me, I, I, there's some articles I've written where I started giving away my stuff mm-hmm. and it was really yeah. hard. Okay. Like, <laughs> it was my, it affected me. My wife and my girls had no problem, but I had 60 pairs of shoes, 60 yeah, pairs, 60. <laughs> I, I'm embarrassed. Like pairs, right. that's 120 shoes. But it can be cleansed yeah. with three <laughs> women. After you do it. Cause no, I it, went through it as it well, was, but I have three women. So freeing. I'm going to send you guys the photo. My wife took a photo nice. of all my shoes. I was giving away. Please. And then my girl's <laughs> shoes, all the shoes they owned. My pile was twice as big. <laughs> uh, <laughs> guys, like, a diva. But, oh dude, totally. And I, but I've realized that I, I, 
I, and I feel that the world, like we, we do spend, we consume a lot, right? And and so it's sort of in alignment with the, the climate side, but it's really looking at the, the family unit. Mm-hmm. Look at like, I'm not, I know I can look at the whole world, but I'm, I know if everybody looks at their own little unit, makes those little adaptations in their own little unit, that's how we change the world, right? If everyone's just owning what they're mm. doing. Yeah. Die was a blast. Yeah. That was actually my New Year's resolution was to live more of a minimalist lifestyle. And I've done okay at it, but definitely his words are <laughs> encouraging me to get rid of even more of my things that I don't have a purpose for anymore and try to purchase things a lot less. Yeah. And like he said, it's about experiences. No, no doubt about it. And what I love about this is all of these guests are giving completely different answers to this question, but they're all just amazing nuggets and, and, and things we, you know, most of us know we don't want to, we don't need all this stuff, but these are just great reminders for all of us. So Moving right along, the next one is Dr. Chloe Carmichael. She holds a doctorate in clinical psychology from Long Island University. She is the author of Nervous Energy, Harness the Power of Your Anxiety, and Ten Commandments of Dating, How to Stop Getting Hurt, Put Yourself Out There, and Find a Relationship That Lasts. Dr. Carmichael has been featured as an expert on VH1, Inside Edition, ABC Nightline, and other television, and has been quoted in the New York Times, Forbes, Vanity Fair, Shape, Cosmopolitan, Rolling Stone. Let's hear what Dr. Chloe had to say on how we can help make the world a better place. Well, that's such a good question. I really think that by taking good care of ourselves, we are can equip ourselves to be most helpful to others, right? So um, the better care that we can take of ourselves and the more we understand ourselves, I think the more likely that we are going to be to to care for others. On a practical level, though, it can be helpful to choose a certain charity or choose a certain cause and just maybe decide that for the rest of the year, that's going to be your thing. And that when you kind of have the blues and think like, oh, I have so much privilege or, you know, how, how can I help others? You know, you've kind of already got in your mind like, oh, yeah, I will go to that place's website and see if they have like a, a march or a walk or I can make a donation or whatever I can do to help that particular cause. I like that she mentioned self-care right off the bat because I think we need to prioritize caring for ourselves before we can care for other people. Completely agree. Excellent advice from Dr. Chloe. Now, moving along, I so love how this next guest answered this question. He pretty much answers it with really one single solitary word. Aaron, tell us who we have next. Dr. Rich Blundell is an ecologist working at the interface of art, science, nature, and culture. His research examines how transformation happens across the scales of person, place, and planet. As a cultural communicator, Dr. Rich Blundell tells the scientific story of the universe that includes art and human creativity as natural phenomena. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you asked this question. I'm also glad that you gave it to me beforehand because it forced me to kind of think about it. And as I thought about it, I realized there's a piece of my work that I hadn't really developed enough. And so you're asking that question has, has, has given me an opportunity to do that. And right. what I realized is that, okay, so we, you know, we have inherited a world riddled with problems, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's not only a precarious time, it's very uncertain. Um, 
even here, you know, in the in the insulated Western civilized world, industrialized world, we're really starting to feel the uncertainty of the future, you know, um, and the pandemic has been, you know, a kind of dress rehearsal for that. And so we're entering into this incredibly uncertain time. And so the question is, how do we make the world a better place? And what I what can we do? And what I realized is, and think about this, not much. We don't have to do much. You don't have to take on all those big problems, right? It's overwhelming. But, and this is another insight that nature gives us, is that it's the little things that happen in us. It's the little, so we don't have to, we don't have to do much except enjoy, and I know that sounds really idealist, idealistic and naive. It's not naive. It is idealistic, but it's not naive. When I say enjoy, I would ask your listeners to reconsider the word enjoy. Like when we use a word like to enliven, right? We mean to bring liveness to something. Or when we say uh, to enrich something, it's about bringing richness to something. Well, what happened to enjoy? The active thing. Like when I think of the word enjoy, I kind of see it on a Coca-Cola ad with a 1950s waitress and a, and a, and a, a tray with two ice-cold Cokes and she's holding it out saying enjoy. And the implicit message there is like, just sit back, relax, we'll provide the joy, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. we've gotten used to that kind of passive hand-me-the-joy kind of thing. But to enjoy in the active sense is to br- is to actively create joy maybe even from things that aren't considered joyous see i had a tick-borne disease last year called anaplasmosis and somehow i managed to figure out a way to enjoy that miserable experience because it was (laughs) fascinating to be overcome by this little tiny parasite that you know got into me and gave me this incredible disruption of everything and as I'm sitting there suffering, I'm thinking, this is cool. And suddenly I realize, I am actually enjoying anaplasmosis. That's not to say I want to get it again or anything like sure. that. I'm just saying <laughs> that there's a practice of enjoyment that doesn't, have to, doesn't require you to sail across an ocean or climb a mountain or get anaplasmosis. It's just about um, proactively conjuring. This is an act of conjuration, like to conjure joy at the simple little things i can hear a blue jay right now and i can feel the breeze and i can see the way light reflects off of those leaves if i make it a habit of thinking a habit of thought to to bring joy to those little moments that's all we have to do because that that one tiny little act of of conjuring joy collectively expressed is a better place is that better world he is awesome. What I like about this answer, my gosh, the use of enjoy and basically saying that we all need to hold ourselves accountable for creating our own joy, I think kind of adds on to what Christian Heim was saying about, you know, the end, the, the end in thanks to notice you, it, it's, Unless we notice this joy, we're not going to experience it. So I love that whole usage of that. And also the fact that each of us creating our own joy creates a collective better world. 
Absolutely. You're right. And joy is something that we can all be proactive about rather than searching for a bunch of things to give us joy. It's something that we can actually set as our intention and bring about in our lives. Yeah. Or rather than just sitting back and waiting for someone else to entertain us, like you use the Coca-Cola analogy, you know, enjoy. Oh, bring me my Coke. No, we need to seek joy, which is a wonderful, wonderful message. Okay. Next, we have Christian De La Huerta. Christian is a sought-after spiritual teacher, personal transformation coach, and leading voice in the breathwork community. Check out his TED Talk, by the way, on this. He has traveled the world offering inspiring and transformational retreats, combining psychological and spiritual teachings with lasting and life-changing effects. Yeah, I would say, you know, with what we've been talking about, use the breath, right? Use the breath as a, as a healing tool and as a tool to make ourselves present so that we're not going and drifting through life just at, at the effect of other people and, and our unhealed and unresolved pasts. Um, so the willingness to do this work of, of going within and, and asking ourselves why we do the things we do and where did, where, you know, where these patterns come from, because if we get honest at some point, we have to get honest and, 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 and realize and see that there is one common denominator in every one of our relationships and in every one of the situations that we complain about. And that's us. Mm. And, and so why is that? Why do we keep attracting certain kind of people or certain kind of situations? Um, yeah. and, and that it's like, that's tough. You know, that's to, to own that. And, and to see our role in it, it's, it's nothing short of heroic. So whatever you're guided to do, right, to understand the difference between power, the worldly power or ego power and spiritual power or soulful power, so that we begin, so that we can begin to find out a way that we can step into our power and express it in a way that is a match that is congruent with who we are. And like only we are responsible for that. Nobody can do that for us. Nobody can, can free ourselves but us. There isn't anybody out there. There isn't anyone in this universe or any other universe that has the same genetics, the same set of experiences that make us who we are. If we don't give full expression to that, right? if we don't step into our lives full-assed and no longer doing it half-assed, ain't <laughs> nobody else going to do it. Yes. Uh, and, and in so doing, that's where we will find not only our personal fulfillment and, and our sense of meaning and purpose and, and our sense of personal empowerment. But as we do that, it's like all of our relationships are going to work so much better. Our relationships will actually have a chance of working. And, and that's why this heroic journey that we're talking about is so worthwhile. Yes, it's work. Yes, it's difficult. Um, and it is so worthwhile because our lives become empowered and we have a sense of choice, a sense of freedom. And, and, and that opens up the way for, for joy and for bliss and, and meaning. Wow. That was a great way to sum up that episode, too, because everything he just addressed in that answer was, you know, along the lines of what we were talking about with him. And that is so true. The world needs our authentic selves and we need to show our true selves to the world and what he said, you know, to show up with our full ass, not half ass. And that will help make <laughs> yeah, the world a better awesome. place. I loved that. Yeah. And more than any book that I've read in the last five years, and I mean this wholeheartedly, and I talk 
Really, I share a lot about more personal stuff than I really wanted to share in this episode, but I wanted everyone to know how much of an impact that this book really made on my life. I just read it at the right time when when I kind of needed it, so I cannot recommend enough his most recent book called Awakening the Soul of Power by Kristen De La Huerta. Just an incredible book uh, with just amazing nuggets of wisdom like you just heard in that little soundbite. All right. Next is Zach Correa. Zach, a finalist of NPR's How I Built This Fellowship, is the founder and CEO of Lemongraft, built for the buying and selling of homegrown produce. Lemongraft's aim is to build a regenerative food system, build community in biodiversity, restore our ecosystem, improve our health, decentralize big agriculture, and take food back into our own hands by creating a sustainable food system. I love this question. You know, the world... The world is so much bigger than all of us, right? But it starts in our backyard. And I think that if we're to incite positive change, we have to first seek out community. Only with like a collective effort, I think, um, can, we, can we like really make a lasting impact on the world around us. So I would suggest that if you really wanna make a change, find people who have a shared vision and shared values and then do something with them. Uh, but specifically do something in service of the world around you. And I know that can be hard to do during a pandemic. Fortunately, we're coming out of it, but now we're kind of back in it again. But yes, seeking out people that have common interests and seeking out community is good for the soul and it's good for the community. And we kind of have here, Aaron, a collective theme that we're getting from all these amazing guests about if we improve our own little life, our own self, then we also help to improve our community, which collectively makes for a better world. Mm -hmm. And to build on that too, with Christian De La Huerta talking about showing up as your true authentic self and being yourself. And then with Zach Correa talking about finding your community and like-minded people, I believe both of those go together and that if we stay true to ourselves and live the authentic versions of ourselves that we're meant to be, then similar like-minded people will follow, I think. Yep, well said. And next we have Eric Winters, another guest from Australia. Eric is a self-leadership coach, black belt hand washer, speaker, and author with deep knowledge in the science of building courageous and emotionally intelligent mindsets. Eric is the author of Swipe Right on Your Best Self, Simple Steps to a Bolder Life, with fewer regrets. I'd say that a simple thing we can do is to upgrade our self-image because mm. all of us behave like the kind of people we think we are. We behave like the kind of people we think we are. And our self-image is shaped by experience. So I would encourage all your listeners and each of us to feast on experiences during the day that reinforce your self-image of the kind of person you'd like to be. So when you have those wins, savor them. When you have done something difficult, feast on that experience, taste it, uh, enjoy it. You've earned it and it would be it would be a crime not to just acknowledge that you have done it. 
there will be multiple occasions in the day when you do little things the way you'd like, the way that is congruent. Sometimes it'll be, even if you make a mistake, you veer off course, you apologize for that. That's the kind of person I'm imagining you'd like to be. Acknowledge that. When we experience these uh, brief bursts of times when we are showing up as the kind of people we'd like to be, we reinforce that in our neurology and we will craft intentionally our self-image and then more automatically show up as those kind of people uh, in the future. We have the ability to be whoever it is that we want to be in our lives and we're capable of so much. And I, I really liked his words on that. But it's up to us to show up. Okay, Aaron, wrap us up with our last guest. All right, Dr. Shad Helmsetter, PhD, is the author of more than 20 books in the field of self-talk and personal growth. His books include the classic self-talk bestseller, What to Say When You Talk to Yourself, Negative Self-Talk and How to Change It, and The Power of Neuroplasticity. His books are published in more than 74 countries worldwide. And he's been on Oprah a couple times. How cool is that? Well, here's Dr. Shad Helmstetter. My answer would be to ask yourself the question, what could I do today that helps me move beyond my own average? Hmm. Because it's not about other people so much, is it? It's more about Hmm. how we're dealing with life ourselves and of course, that then has an impact on those around us. But if each day what we did is did our best to move past or rise above our own average, then we could stop comparing ourselves with other people. We could stop being victims or we could stop worrying about what other people think. We could focus on what really counts. And that is, how could I get better? How could I rise above my own average? That's something worth looking at and thinking about each day because we get to do it every day. And I think that's a pretty powerful way to wrap up this episode. Yeah, his words just now and so many of our other guests have really inspired me to do my own personal work and personal self-growth. And after we do that work on ourselves, then we can really show up for the world in a positive way. And I don't know about you, Aaron, but Here, you and I sat in on all these interviews over the last, I don't know, eight months, nine months. And so we've heard all of this. But then to hear all of these, you know, little nuggets of wisdom back to back to back, I just feel like so inspired today. I'm glad Mm -hmm. we did this in the morning because, again, hearing this advice and having it reinforced. And in fact, even like Dr. Helmstetter says in our actual interview, that when we have these positive vibes and we're thinking positive thoughts and, and we're... And, and we are actively trying to create joy. We are literally rewiring our brain. Go back and listen to that episode. To hear it from a scientist is pretty powerful about the effect that it has on all of our lives. So yeah, life-changing advice right there. Yep, absolutely. Well, hey, we hope we inspired all of you, maybe even just a little tiny bit. And if you were inspired, please share this episode. Please, if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating. Write a quick little review because that helps get this show out to a wider audience. So hopefully we can inspire more people along the way. Thank you all so much, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. 
Thanks to our producer, Noah Existe, and editor, Joe Tomfonko. Our music was written and performed by Nadia Importante. Thank you so much for listening. If this podcast brightened your day in any way, please subscribe and leave us a review. If you have a suggestion for a guest or have any suggestions on how we can improve our show, please send us an email to betterplaceprojectpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at betterplaceproj for updates on our show. Look for small ways to be kind to others this week, and that will help make the world a better place. Make the world a better place. Make the world.